Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 41, and we're recording on November 30th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from Book Riot, and today we are here with this year's Holiday Gift Guide. Yay! I'm excited. Do you do you tend to get a ton of books for the holidays? You know, I think people know better than to buy me books. Yeah. <laughs> I think people know better. What about you? Uh, people do not know better. Oh, no. And it's usually fine. I just have this... I just feel overwhelmed sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes, of course, you know, and this is why we do these gift guide things, you, People think they know what kind of book you like to read, mm. but they don't actually mm-hmm. know. Like it could – a lot of the times you get books that other people have enjoyed. And I've been guilty of this myself. I'll get books other people have enjoyed but are not necessarily a good fit for me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, that was nice. Like I'm glad that you wanted to share this right. book with me, but also Pat Pat. <laughs> I'm not really interested. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember now the last time somebody got me a book for a holiday or like a birthday. And I actually kind of can't. I've been working in books for so long. And I yeah. think people were just like, oh, she has all the books she wants. I mean, they're used to me giving everybody gets books for nobody doesn't get books from me <laughs> for holidays and birthdays. Um, but nobody gives them to me, which is is correct like i don't first of all i don't need anymore second of all chances already have it third of all like i don't know like my taste isn't that specific but like it's like you're saying like people don't always know the difference between what they liked and what i'm gonna like so yes um so i'm not sad about this state of affairs it's totally fine that people do not give me like anybody out there who's listening who may be gift giving make a note (laughs) note do not send books um (laughs) Awesome. Well, we'll get into our actual recommendations, but first, I am going to tell you about our first sponsor. Today, our show is sponsored by The Spectral City, the first book in the Spectral City series from award-winning author Leanna Renee Heber. And so this takes place in 1899, New York City. The police have a secret spiritual go-to for solving the city's most haunting crimes. Her name is Eve Whitby, gifted medium and leader of the Ghost Precinct. With her group of female psychics and wayward ghosts, 19-year-old Eve holds her own against New York's darkest threats. But when her ghostly conduits begin to disappear, Eve realizes that a malevolent force is out to destroy the balance between two realms. Now she must brave the darkness to make sure no one is ever left for dead. So the Spectral City is described as a magical historical fantasy novel that is in many ways Caleb Carr's The Alienist. If its main characters were instead a girl gang of ghost detectives, which sounds amazing. And it's of course steeped in its historic setting of 1899 New York City. 
which sounds fascinating. It opens with Teddy Roosevelt, uh, then governor of New York. This sounds like a great book, especially if you like paranormal stories. So again, if that sounds like it's in your wheelhouse, that was The Spectral City, the first book in the Spectral City series from award-winning author Leanna Renee Heber. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. So Leanna, when I was at the bookstore in New York, she was a local author and we did a couple of book launches for her. And I will never forget the first one where she showed up because they were also period fantasies and she showed up uh-huh. in full garb <gasps> with like a little hat and like a bustle and, you know, amazing. did the whole event like in sort of almost in character. It was amazing. <laughs> I am an immediate fan now. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is like a goth theater kid in the same way that you are I think and um, yeah she and I think I want to say her and Gail Carriger are the two authors I can think of off the top of my head who did events in bustles while I was at word in Brooklyn and it was amazing oh my goodness this is my new life goal if I ever publish a book whatever it's about I will have to wear a bustle to I support this goal (laughs) It's a good one. Um, okay, so we're not even doing news today. Nope. We're just 100% talking about holiday gift books. So we have a whole bonanza of books for you. But before we start, I just, I we I don't think either of us could in good conscience pick these books because we talk about them so often. But mm-hmm. I'm just going to give honorable mentions to N.K. Jemisin's Broken Earth Trilogy, which is all out, complete trilogy, three books. You can give them all to the person in your life who loves really amazing amazing sci-fi and fantasy same for the machineries of empire by yoon ha lee all three are out you can give them as a set or just hook them on the first one and then let them buy the other ones themselves i am just saying yes <laughs> second <laughs> um okay so my first fantasy pick we'll start with this one is actually a two book but you could just give the first one again make people buy their own things if you need to um and it's the rise of empress duology by julie c dow um, trigger warning for this series for child abuse, but we're not going to get into those details now. And this is for all of those fairy tale retelling fans in your life. It is an Asian, East Asian reimagining of the evil queen that sort of is in all of the Disney and like Grimm's fairy tales. Um, it's sort of specifically Snow White in this instance. And the first book, Forest of a Thousand Lanterns, follows the woman who will eventually, like this is not a spoiler, this is really <laughs> obvious from the setup of the book. You're following Shifang, who is going to eventually, like her goal in life basically is to be queen. And she's beautiful, but she's been raised by this horrible woman uh, I think it's her – is it her aunt? It's like – Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's described as her aunt. Yeah, it's her aunt. So um, – and she's terrible. She's abusive. She And she also – she like has this really intense dynamic with Shifeng where she like tells her how beautiful she is and how she's destined for better things and how she's better than everybody else around them and then also is violent towards her. So she, it's a really like intense dynamic and so Shifeng is already not getting the best – sort of start into life and then she goes off to sort of find her destiny she runs away and in the meantime has been trained in sort of some mystical arts by this woman and is using those to try to help smooth her path and climb this ladder for herself because she really believes that she has this destiny awaiting her and so she just has to like get to it um 
And she makes, oh, just terrible decisions one <laughs> after the other. But you're following her and you're like, oh, I see why you would have done that. Like, it's so, it's true. Like, you, as far as you are concerned, these are your best options. It's just they're not really good ones. <laughs> um, and so you follow her on her sort of path. And it's so intense and it's so lush. The world building is really amazing. And you just feel like completely immersed and it's a great anti-heroine story and then book two kingdom of the blazing phoenix picks up years later when the stepdaughter of course um has come of age and is summoned back to the palace she's been living off in a convent sort of separate from all of that you know court life she knows she's a princess but she's been raised very simply and she's summoned to be a political pawn by Shifang and then of course has to go on this great adventure and see if she can defeat the evil that's threatening the kingdom and you get these two very different female narrators and you see them making their choices and it's just so beautifully opposed to each other and you see why they each behave the way they do and it's so thoughtful and then again like so action-packed so much fun there's like some horror elements in there there's magic and i just i loved this series i just tore through both of these and i'm so delighted that it, it is you know they're both out they they're really satisfying there's a really great ending i just loved it that's amazing i have to read the second one because oh, so I loved the first one. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that makes the first one so amazing is it is this anti-heroine story. And book two is definitely like a heroine story. So it doesn't have that edge to it. But but because you know the background, mm-hmm. I think it's really effective. So again, that's the Rise of the Empress series by Julie C. Dow. Okay, well, I'm going to follow with my fairy tale retelling then, which is Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. And I can't believe, I don't think I have talked about this book yet, but I promise you I'm going to bring it up again. (laughs) (laughs) Because it seemed like everyone, myself included, who loved Naomi Novik's Uprooted, ran to get this book, Mm -hmm. since it has similar themes and conceits. Um, that we all loved in Uprooted and we all learned through Uprooted and probably through uh, Naomi Novik's previous work that she's really great at retelling fairy tales. So I loved this book so much. It's loosely, like very loosely based on Rumpelstiltskin and when I went into it, I didn't – like I had heard that it was loosely based on Rumpelstiltskin but I was still sort of expecting it to be like – I don't know. I was expecting certain things because I had read Rumpelstiltskin, which remains one of the creepiest stories I've ever read in my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very different. It takes it on a on a on a completely different angle, and it also really has that fairy tale structure. Except, of course, it's more fleshed out than your traditional fairy tale, which is why I personally love retellings because of that playful interaction between the story and the reader where you recognize these characters or this structure, but you're also privy to seeing these familiar tales subverted with sometimes contemporary themes and issues pulled in. And Spinning Silver does what I I perhaps enjoy most, which is that it gives fairy tales, which have traditionally given women little agency, all the agency. 
So there are three main characters in this story. All of them are women and they all have – they all shout their own battle cry, let's say. And the story jumps between these three perspectives. There's Miriam's perspective. Miriam is the daughter of an ineffective moneylender. And then there's Wanda who's the poverty-stricken daughter of – a pretty violent drunk. And by the way, this also comes with a trigger warning for child abuse, but I'm not going to mention it um, in this description. And then there's also Irina, who's the unhappy and underestimated daughter of this lord. And so all three of them have problems of their own, obviously, but Miriam's plight sort of sets the story up. She takes matters into her own hands when it starts to look like her family is going to die of starvation and sickness because her father can't bear to collect this money that's owed to them. Like he's a moneylender, that's his job. And Miriam's like, well, we, you have to do your job so that we can survive. So she decides to take matters into her own hands, hardens her heart, and does the job for him. And through a series of events, she ends up gaining the unpleasant attention of a steric king. So when you think of steric, think of, I guess, cold-hearted, a cold-hearted winter elf or spirit. And the steric are these people that or beings, rather, that put fear in the hearts of the villagers and have a dangerous desire for gold. So Miriam gets caught up in this deal with the king while Wanda sets off to escape this terrible family situation she's in. Irina, meanwhile, is trying to survive a match with this beautiful but cute, uh, cruel czar, and their individual struggles end up bringing them together in the most satisfying way. Um there towards the middle it gets you really start to feel this sense of satisfaction like oh my goodness i didn't see the story going this way and i'm not going to spoil it for you but it really like i was caught up in it immediately from the start but right when you need that grab it grabs you and i just love this book so much so i think if you know somebody who loved uprooted or loves fairy tale retellings they will absolutely love this book and the women are so different each with their own strengths and i didn't experience those moments you sometimes get with shifting perspectives where you're kind of hurrying through the chapters to get back to your favorite character they were all my favorites and I was desperate to know what happened to each of them. So again, uh, that's a great it's I think it's a great one for fairy tale retelling lovers and also perfect perfect winter tale. Uh the whole setup is wintry and cold and snowy and blustery. And again, that was Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. I will co-sign everything that you just said. Yeah. With the addition that I like I got so invested in these characters that as the book was going along I sort of built this ending that I wanted in my head and then oh, when no. I didn't when I didn't get that ending I was kind of heartbroken. Oh, like no. it, the ending is good. I just I had like spun my own version of what it was going to be oh, based I thought sort of on like little clues that were not real. <laughs> That is so interesting. I know, I've done I, that before. I feel oh, for yeah. you. I just got so, but I, the whole reason that I was like, oh, was because I was so invested. The characters are so good. And yeah, I agree. <sighs> the The point of view shifts were really beautifully handled. It was so, so good. I will Love second it. that one. 
<laughs> um, okay, I'm going to take a hard right here and give you a recommendation for the Game of Thrones slash Grimdark fans in your life. Um, these books come with a trigger warning for institutionalized homophobia, assault and torture and violence and just all of the, all of the Grimdark things you can think of are in here. Um, it is the first two books of the Masquerade series, which are the Traitor Brew Cormorant and the Monster Brew Cormorant uh, by Seth Dickinson. There are more books planned in the series so it is not done yet um oh man mm-hmm. so these books the the trader brew cormorant starts off on this little island that is sort of you know it's not perfect but it is sort of idyllic and a young woman baru who's growing up there um and she sort of sees this empire the neighboring empire move in and start to take control but they do it really insidiously like first it's like trade and currency and then it's schools and then it's you know sort of propaganda and then they oh whoops accidentally have brought plague to this island like oh now all the you know native population has been wiped out except for these ones that we inoculated whoops like it's very insidious um and baru has been sort of found by a trader from a uh, t-r-a-d-e-r from this bigger empire who sends her to this school um and which you know her parents consent to because they think it's a good thing um and so she is sort of saved from all of this destruction, but also sees her culture sort of crumbling and oppressed around her. And as she, she's a math savant. And as she, you know, gets more and more recognition and like more and more sort of support from her mentor, she also is like secretly like, how can I, like, she's devastated by the loss of her family and her culture. And she's like, how can I, fix this and so she decides that she's going to get so much power within the system that she will then be able to save her home and but this means that she has to get power within the system and she's sent to be the sort of imperial accountant to this other country slash region which is in turmoil and there is a rebellion and she gets involved in that rebellion and it's like okay what is she going to do is she going to support the rebels is she going to just like what is she who is she going to support what is she going to do what choices are she going to make and oh man it is heart breaking mm-hmm. constant heart break with Baru. You're just like, oh God, Baru, don't do it. Um, but again, like I was saying with these anti-heroine stories, like you can see why. You can see why she would decide to do it. Like her motivations are clear and she's very consistent and it just is a heartbreaker. And the power dynamics are really explicitly fleshed out. There's a ton of that, you know, shifting political sands and betrayals and double crosses and triple crosses and oh, all of these different elements. But it's really interesting because I haven't read a political, like a high political fantasy like this that is both this international and this sort of deep into the nitty gritty. It's like empire plus spreadsheets, like accounting, like actual (laughs) accounting is part of the plot. And it sounds like it would be really boring and I hate math, but like, I tell you what, like this, it works here. It works. Um, 
So if you are like strong of stomach and like the grimdark sort of worlds and need a sub for Game of Thrones or know any person who has all of those things, yeah, this series is a good one to pick up. It is in progress. And I will warn you that the second there's there's a I mean, it's a first book in a series. So, of course, you know, the plot is not wrapped up and it's a pretty heartbreaking end. But the second book has a way bigger cliffhanger. So, you know. Consider yourselves warned. Um, so again, that's the Masquerade series by Seth Dickinson. The first book is The Traitor, Baru Cormorant. That sounds incredible, but I don't know if my heart can Ooh. bear it. <laughs> yeah, it really is rough on the heart muscles. Oh, boy. Well, do you want to tell us about our second sponsor? Oh, I should do that. Yes. So our second sponsor is us. It is the Read Harder Journal. I am sure many of you are familiar with our Read Harder Challenge. And we have been cooking up behind the scenes a journal that will help you track your reading and give you all kinds of good ways to get into it. So... Um, yeah, it is now available and, uh, it is a great gift for readers. There is no other reading tracker that champions the activist approach to reading in quite this way. There are 12 original challenges inspired by the Read Harder Challenge. Um, and there are five book recommendations for each challenge. There's also a graph so you can track your reading over the course of the year. There's a fill in to be read pile. Uh, it's, um, it's a flexi bound journal, you know, so easy flipping. There's an elastic closure and a ribbon marker and there's beautiful illustrations so if you are a fan of tracking your reading or know somebody who is know somebody who is a fan of the read harder challenge itself you are definitely going to want to indulge your inner book nerd um, and get this for yourself and or them and or everybody you know i'm just saying (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so yes that is the read harder journal check it out we'll leave a link in the show notes I have the 2018 version and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Not I just, just counterbacks. I know. I love the illustration so much. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't say no to a good illustration. So mm. it spoke to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for my next pick, I chose one that I thought would be good for gamers, especially fantasy gamers. Um, and I've mentioned this book. I think a couple times at some point I might have to retire it. It's Children of Blood and Bone (laughs) by Tomi Adeyemi. And when I first mentioned it, I was talking about how it reminded me of World of Warcraft, which is why I thought this might be good for fantasy gamers because it has all of that stuff. And it's also good for uh, people who enjoy epic fantasy and doorstop books. This is young adult fiction. But, of course, young adult fiction can come as a doorstopper. Um, It's huge. So there's elements where the characters quest. And I wouldn't say this is necessarily a read-alike for Game of Thrones fans because it is not nearly as dark and violent. But if you're looking for something a little lighter with, uh, you know, George R.R. Martin's level of world building, uh, this is a good pick. So... This book, it's 544 pages of pure imagination and excitement, and I could not stop turning those pages. 
Um, and the story is set in this Nigerian-inspired world, and it's a beautiful, lush environment, and it takes place in Orisha, where there's a set of people called the Magi uh, who used to have the power to wield magic. And Zeli is the main character. Her mother was one such person. She had a lot of power. But then there was this violent clash between the Magi and the Orisha um, and the royalty specifically, and the Magi became oppressed. Their magic was taken away. Their people were enslaved. And then Zeli's mother was killed. And this all happens on the first page. So it's intense right from the start. And the, then the story follows Zeli, who's grown up now. And she's still in school. So she is in that later teens stage. But She's very headstrong. She wants to fight back. Like, it's in her blood. She remembers what happens to her mother. And all she can think about is fighting back. And you can tell by the way she reacts to things and how quick her temper is that there are some things going on with her. And this one is also told from different perspectives. So we have three perspectives. There's Zali, who is uh, one of the... She would have been one of the Magi. She has signs that should be hidden from everybody because she could be oppressed. Uh, she has white hair, for instance. And then there's Amaris who lives this life of privilege and then she risks it all after she sees this terrible act done by her, done at her father's hands. And there's also Inan, who's Amaris's brother, who's this young man coming up in this world. He really wants to become a powerful figure in Orisha, and so he would do anything for their father. And then there's also this side character, uh, Zeli's brother Zane, who so far doesn't have uh, – his perspective isn't part of the story, but he's also along for this journey. And it's this great group of characters, and they all have their emotions motivations as with spinning silver but they're all definitely in a group right from the start they're very unlike each other and they argue a lot which makes this like there's this social dynamics that happens that is really fun and interesting and zelly was kind of a frustrating character at some points but she's also really protective and she's there for her brother and for whoever needs her so she's a great lead character and a lot of a lot happens to her in the story starting with her childhood so her behavior also makes sense and yeah a lot of the magic and lore in the book is inspired by yoruba mythology this is a really different fantasy story i love getting these fantasy stories that take us to different places and not just you know in the traditional settings of the west and you know where we find fairy tales and we find a lot of these high epic fantasy books so i really appreciated this one and i will say that it might seem intimidating to get this book like it's satisfying as a holiday package i will say that like to get this big chunk of a book that you can just work through over the holiday season but it actually moved along really quickly so whoever receives it or if you buy it for yourself uh, you're probably not going to spend as much time on it as you might think because, at least for me, it was a page turner and I got through it way faster than I thought I would. Um, I could definitely see why this book was signed, like why the film rights were sold before it was even published because of that level of world building and because it's a very – like it has this very structured quest – um, this questing adventure that is really readable and really wonderful. So 
Again, that's why I was thinking of gamers as well. I think there are probably scrolls in this one too, or at least some (laughs) murals that give you clues and things like that. But it was wonderful. This is just the beginning of this series, so it's probably going to hook you. You're probably going to want to get the next book immediately. It's not out yet. Um, But again, that was Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. All right. My last fantasy pick is Witchmark by C.L. Polk, which I'm pretty sure I've talked about before. But I really think, y'all, that this is a book that is a really flexible fantasy. Like there's a lot of different kinds of people you could give this one to. And it is also one of the books this that I read this year that like made me feel better after I was done reading it, which I cannot, certainly cannot say for my last pick. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, So, you know, sort of in that vein of like a book that sort of entrances you and sucks you in and makes you feel like you're there, like, uh, you know, a little bit night circus maybe. Um, I think Witchmark does a lot of the same things. It is a reworking of the Edwardian era in England. Um, sort of post or mid World War One is is the comp, or the real world comp, because this is a fictional world. Um and the main character, Miles Singer, is a doctor at a veterans hospital and he himself is also a veteran and he is working with all of these soldiers who are returning from the war and have you know they don't call it ptsd but that's what they have but there's something strange about how they're presenting and he is trying to figure this out assisted by his magic which nobody can know that he has because in this society people who can do magic as long as they are of the upper class are sort of like bound to a handler and he for obvious reasons does not want to be bound to a handler so he's kind of like on the DL doing magic with his patients nobody can know trying to figure out what's going on with these soldiers Um, you also find out at a certain point that he is not who he says he is and he gets sucked into this whole adventure into a conspiracy around magic by the appearance of a patient who is dying of poisoning and in in the process of trying to figure out like what happened to this person and how they were murdered you know he just get sucked into this much bigger conflict and it is so satisfying the ending was it is technically the first in a series but i will tell you that i felt very satisfied at the end of this book i had the biggest heart eyes for all of the characters i was so happy for my fictional babies um they really did feel like my fictional babies um at the end of this i I just cared so much about everybody there's a beautiful gay romance there's there's like you know sort of elf-esque characters there's all of this you know societal and class stuff there's you know taking down a corrupt regime elements it's got all of the stuff that you want out of a fantasy plus set and i don't i don't know that i've seen that many edwardian era fantasies so that was really fresh yeah and interesting to me because you have a little bit of technology, but then you have this magical element and they play off of each other really nicely. And to look at this, you know, question of 
these soldiers and what their lives must be like and then added to it this strange you know thing that they're all coming down with like I just thought this book was doing a lot of interesting things and doing them all really well and again like I cared so much about these characters (laughs) and I was really (laughs) delighted um, with the way the book unfolded so I think you could give this to a lot of people people who are looking for you know a more feel good escapist read um, people who are interested in you know the different periods of English history, people who like a little bit of real world with their magic. Like there's a lot, there's a lot to love here. So again, that is Witchmark by C.L. Polk. That sounds wonderful. Oh, it's so good. Have to read it one day. Okay. Well, I chose another of my favorites for this year because I feel like everybody will love this book, but probably your mythology buffs will love it especially. And it's Circe by Madeline Miller. And I've on it. I've never. I have yet to meet a person who read Circe and disliked it. So that's why I think it's for everyone. I would be shocked. Please report back to me if somebody <laughs> did not enjoy it because I would be shocked. Um, but yeah, I also noticed that a lot of people who don't regularly read fantasy picked up this book, and some of that might be the way it was marketed, but. I think it would be good for newcomers to the genre. So, yeah, I think it probably counts as dipping your toes in the water sort of book. And you can combo it up with Song of Achilles, which is another book everybody loved also by Madeline Miller. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is a sort of follow-up. It, it has no relation to the Song of Achilles. It's not like a sequel or anything. It's a standalone. But this book is so great. It's so witchy. And it's about – this woman, Circe, who is the child of a god or a titan rather and a nymph. And she's very underestimated in this story. She's basically insulted as a child and it's ingrained in her that she's not special and that in fact she has nothing in common with the rest of her family or with any of the the gods And it's because she's plain and she has a voice that isn't musical. So this is, of course, based on the story of Circe, who is in mythology. And she was a goddess of magic. She was a nymph and a sorceress. And we get to see her grow uh, from childhood through adulthood and then beyond because, you know, she lives a very, very long time. So uh, Miller takes this mythology and the classic stories of these heroes and she spins Circe's tale into this bigger coming-of-age story where we get really intimate with Circe. She's not just in the margins. We get to know her thoughts, her family, and the details of how she comes into her power, which is really – at the center of this book, how she claims her power and her agency when everybody else just wants her to go away and they literally send her away to live in isolation. So she's facing this world that underestimates and devalues her and she figures out how to make a name for herself and to claim her own life. And so we meet her. The story's told in first person, which is something I personally love. She's telling the story of her own life. And she's sister to three complicated siblings, uh, 
the kind you'd accidentally lose touch with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's two siblings, two siblings. Um, and so they're not great. She's different from everyone in her family again. And she does some things that go outside the boundaries of what's expected of her and what's demanded of her. She shows empathy, which is not something the gods and the titans show much of. And so she becomes this target but she has strengths and she does have power and something happens that brings her – that gives her a little taste of what she is able to accomplish and she is punished. So she's sent off to live in isolation and we stay with her on this island and people come and go in her life and they all have an effect on her and on her growth. And then also her perspectives and her ideas change as she grows up. And it's just such a beautiful story. I am personally, I, I love mythology. So I was immediately into this story. But it's just such a wonderfully told story. The prose is beautiful. I feel like this could appeal to just about everybody. And yeah, Again, that was Circe by Madeline Miller. Please go out and read it immediately. It is my great shame that I haven't read it yet. I have a copy and everything. I just haven't gotten to it. You're going to love it once <laughs> I you know. get into it. I think that might be my, you know, we have like a quiet week between Christmas and New Year's here mm -hmm. at Riot. And I think that might be my read for that week. Ooh, I'm so excited for you. Please. I'm excited I'm for me too. Um, all right. I like picked a lot of series, but uh, bear with me. My first science fiction pick is the Wayfarer series by Becky Chambers. There are three books out and you can give any one of them or all three if you are feeling very generous. Um, and what I love about these books is that they are very much a shared world series. There are some overlapping characters, but the focus shifts very dramatically from one book to the next. So, and each book has its own sort of flavor. The first book, oh, and I said these are space, maybe I didn't say, these are space opera books, um, but they're not space opera in the big, like, you know, Yoon Ha Lee way where there's like a, or like Star Wars where there's an empire and we're rebels and we're fighting to take it down. It's like, no, no, no. These are just mm -hmm. sort of people living their lives in this space operatic world. So the first book, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, introduces us to the crew of a ship who are doing like odd jobs. It is a little bit, um, the ship is called the Wayfarer and it is a little bit Firefly, although I wouldn't extend that comp too far. Um, but it is, it does have that found family feeling to it. And, uh, we are introduced to this world by Rosemary Harper, who has been, you know, a citizen of Mars and, you know, comes on board to be oh, another accountant, a bookkeeper. <laughs> she becomes a bookkeeper. So many accountants. Jen. I know. Sorry. I don't know what's happening to me. Um, <laughs> and she has to sort of get used to this very diverse crew. There's, you know, alien crew members and human crew crew members and AI crew members and all of that stuff. Um, and there's different, you know, romantic and social dynamics among the crew as well. Um, so she is sort of our conduit, our way into this very intense uh, family vibe. And it's, it's so, it is so satisfying, but it is really just them. Like they're on their way to a job. It takes a while for them to get there. Then a thing happens and then they go home. Like it's, it's actually, the plot is pretty minimal. What you're really looking at is 
these dynamics. And, and I found that super satisfying. And I know a lot of other folks did as well. Um, the second book, A Closed and Common Orbit, digs more into uh, artificial intelligence and sentience and like who counts as human. And then the third book, Record of a Spaceborn Few, which came out pretty recently, um, is a look at like, what if this big old fleet of humans left Earth because it was dying and then ended up just staying on their spaceships forever? Like these are generation ships that were meant to take humanity to a new planet. But what if they never got off the ships? Like what would life look like if you just stayed on those ships forever? How would you keep them running? What would your culture look like? How would somebody from the outside see you? Um, so it's, they're exploring really interesting questions that, you know, certainly other sci-fi and fantasy books touch on, but that would not necessarily take the focus because they're not super action, whiz bang, lasers, etc. These are much more sort of character driven stories with a lot of feelings. So like, yeah, we're, we've been calling it cozy sci-fi sometimes. Mm -hmm. I also would be happy to call it hard sci-fi with feelings, like any of those descriptions. So if you know somebody who would be interested in that, um, I definitely think these are all very giftable. And if you have a friend who's into them and hasn't gotten the third one yet, that is now out. So that's a great gift. So again, that's the Wayfarers series by Becky Chambers. I interviewed Becky Chambers for Recommended, as you know. Yeah, you did. And there was a moment where she talked about uh, um, there was a time or an incident where she thought she might not write the series, and I had to stop myself from gasping <laughs> in the middle of her interview. <laughs> wow. I know. They really defined a, a conversation since they came out, I feel like. like they, We talk totally. about them a lot for a lot of reasons. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Um, I should get on with mine. Uh, my next pick is Mem by Bethany C. Morrow, which is you probably heard me talk about before. But this has everything. This has uh, a romance. It's an alternate history. It's got glitz, glamour, and also human extracts. Uh, this is also <laughs> an own voices book, which is excellent. The story is set in this alternate 1920s where humans have discovered this way to extract memories. And like a lot of these procedures that just come out, it's only available to those who can afford it. And the original purpose is to extract these traumatic memories. But... Some people take it to other levels and they turn these human humanoid memories into novelty acts. So they're mistreated in a lot of ways um, and it's kind of this gray area where you have to ask yourself, are they human or are they not? And then along comes Dolores, Dolores Extract Number 1, who is unlike the other mems in that she can create her own memories. So – they're all being held in this sort of prison asylum called the vault. They're trapped in their own heads. They're replaying these same horrible memories over and over again. But with Dolores's abilities come some privileges where she's given a taste of the real world. She's taken out under the mentorship of another person, a, a scientist, somebody who's involved with this project. But this is a circumstance that makes her take a critical look at what it means to have your memories extracted and where these extracts belong in the human world and how they're being treated. And it was just an amazing book. Uh, it's very brief. So if you're looking for something 
short. Like if you have somebody who's new to science fiction and maybe wants to start with something that's a little shorter that they can get through in a couple of days and not feel too overwhelmed by the task of getting into a new genre that sometimes has some, you know, some assumptions built into it that, you know, science fiction can be long and dry and whatever. This is a great one. I think it might change their minds. And it just gives you this really – it makes you analyze how trauma and grief affect us in the long term and to consider what it means to be human. And yeah, it just – this is one of those – I said at the beginning of this year when I read this book uh, before it was out that it was probably going to – it was going to stay with me for a very long time and that seemed like big words. But it definitely has. It's lived up to the expectation And yeah, I just love this book. I hope everyone reads it. And again, that was Mem by Bethany C. Morrow. Yeah, I picked this one up because of your recommendation on that earlier show. And it was so worth it. And absolutely, it has stayed with me as well. I was really glad you picked it for the show because I was going to, I was like, oh, I think she will. But just in case, like, (laughs) I'll have it on my long list. Oh, good. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't have to worry about that. (laughs) It is just so good. It's so good. Um, Okay, let's see. So my next sci-fi pick, which is for people who are looking for comps for John Scalzi or Terry Pratchett or Douglas Adams or like sci-fi with humor, maybe Connie Willis, The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells are the droids you are looking for. Literally (laughs) the droid you are looking for. Um, There are four of these out now. In case you didn't know, the first one, All Systems Red, came out last year. But there are now four. They are novellas. So if you have a friend who likes short books, doesn't like to read it, like long and involved things, this is definitely for them as well. Um, and these are the adventures of the sort of self-named murder bot. It sounds really violent. It's super not. Um, this is a security robot. Android. Android? Cyborg? Android. Yeah. Um I want to get my my terminology right. <laughs> so this is a security android who, in the very first book you're introduced to, has been assigned to be the, you know, security for this team of people who are surveying a planet. And in this sort of world space future, uh, corporations sort of run everything. Um, and everybody has to like pay, you know, the company for things like permissions to survey different planets and, you know, security and supplies and whatever. It's like a whole, you know, company store scheme. Um, but this is how it works. And so this team is on a planet that is supposed to be, you know, uninhabited and nobody has done any work here before. And things start to go wrong and maybe there's something going on. And Murderbot is our narrator. And Murderbot is supposed to not be, not supposed to be sentient, supposed to just follow its programming. But it has hacked its own programming and then not told anybody because it doesn't want to like take over or be whatever. It just wants to like, it wants to do its job and then retreat to its little corner, recharge and watch like the fictional equivalent of K dramas. Like it's, it wants to watch Netflix. <laughs> it does. It just wants to watch human dramas and not deal with people until it's time that it has to. 
And so, and the team of humans that are working with this android are like very split on how to deal with it, even without knowing that it is sentient and like self-willed. And so it's, and it, it doesn't want them to know that it can ignore their commands, for example, if it wanted to. So it's this whole like, oh, is how are like, are they going to find out what's going to happen? Who's going to be mean to Murderbot? Like, don't be mean to Murderbot. Like, talk about characters you get attached to. Yeah. Um, Murderbot, I got very attached to Murderbot. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's a really enjoyable, like, you know, there's groundworms and, you know, conspiracies and space stations and planetary explorations and, you know, a little bit of that, like, Star Trek away team stuff. And then it's all through the perspective of this very dryly funny narrator that is an android trying to figure out, like, what it wants from life and the world and mostly what it wants is to be left alone. So, again, that is The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. The first book is All Systems Red, which came out last year, but this year there have been three more. So there are four. So any and all of those should definitely be on your list for that humorous sci-fi lover. Uh, Our books are lining up, actually, because my next is a novella series. Hey! Yeah! It's Binti, the Binti Trilogy by Nnedi Okorafor. And this is Space Adventures. And I was thinking about it, and I feel like it's like Alien, but if Ripley was completely on her own and the story was less about combat and more about communication, Mm. I feel like that's, that's kind of how I felt, at least about the first book. So... Uh, this is, of course, the science science fiction novella series by the prolific, wonderful Nettie Okorafor, and I talk about it all the time, but I had to talk about it now because it's complete, so you can get the complete series for somebody. Um, and it's a story of this really smart young woman who's making her way in the world. She leaves everything behind. Uh, her family does not approve of her going away, but she has to do what she feels is right and what is right for her. For her. And she goes to this place called Umza Uni, or she's on her way there to be among the cream of the crop students. She's, again, really smart, so she absolutely deserves her place at this school. And she was accepted, and she's the first one from where she comes from her region to be accepted to the school. So it's a huge honor, and she wants to take advantage of it, but she immediately hits some roadblocks. And some of them are things from reality, like racism and prejudice and otherness. She's dealing with all of that because she's outside of her family environment and her community for the first time. So she's encountering these things also for the first time. And it's awful and baffling. And she immediately feels like she doesn't belong. But then as she's starting to warm up to at least her peers on this spaceship that's taking them to the university, the spaceship is attacked It's hijacked by pirates, and these pirates are aliens. Nobody can speak to them, and they're immediately – they come in full force, all violence. And the first – the initial scenes are really brutal and gruesome, but it quickly becomes this sort of cat-and-mouse story of – of Binti trying to hide out and trying to protect herself and survive on this ship. And figure out why the pirates are there, what they're trying to get, 
And she has to use her smarts and her abilities and her empathy to get out of this really terrible situation and perhaps save a lot of people in the process. So again, this is a novella series. These are really quick, fast-paced reads, and uh, it'll be done before you know it, which is the sad part. So the other books that follow are Home and The Night Masquerade. You can get them all. It's fantastic. I'm sure you've heard of them before. So this is basically just a reminder that they're out there. And if you're looking, like if you're stumped for some science fiction books to pick up, you should definitely pick up the Binti Trilogy by Nnedi Okorafor. Nice. All right. My, well, it's not my last pick, but my last science fiction pick before my bonus pick is <laughs> uh, Rosewater by Tade Thompson, which was our book club book. Um, and I put this one on my list because I was thinking, you know, as we were putting the gift guide together, like, oh, who are we recommending for? Like, what niches are we trying to fill here? Um, and I was thinking about that weird slash horror subsection of sci-fi fantasy, you know, where you've got Jeff Vandermeer and Lauren Buchan and China Mieville and authors like that. Um, and Rosewater by Tati Thompson is exactly the right book to give to fans of those authors because it is absolutely influenced by horror. It is also like it's got aliens and it's got psychic powers and it's got just really intensely strange <laughs> things going on all over the place. Um, and it's really nice because it is a much more international perspective than we normally get. Um, Tade Thompson is from Nigeria. This is set in Nigeria and it is about a man named Caro who is a like undercover government agent, but he was sort of drafted into service. He has a criminal past. He himself has some powers, mental powers. Um, and he didn't really have a choice when they recruited him. They were like, well, you'll work for us or you'll be in prison for the rest of your life. So I guess you're going to work for us, right? And I was like, all right. Um, and he is sort of the short version of the story is that there are other people like him, not a ton. Um, and they've all been affected by this inscrutable alien presence that has sort of come down to earth made itself little domes and then nothing like nobody can get in the domes nobody knows what they're there for it's just very confusing but they release spores into the world and some of those spores interact with people in strange ways including giving them powers so somebody is killing off the people who have the powers and Caro is pretty sure that he's next and so he's sort of just trying to save his own skin but there's a couple different timelines in this book so you also sort of get like a glimpse into his past and how he got to where he is now and the history of this agency trying to interact with this alien presence and it is the first in a series i do think that like there is like you definitely end the book wanting to know more about what's going to happen next to these characters into this world but Caro's story is pretty wrapped up when you get to the end so I do think it stands alone nicely um, I am very excited for the sequel which is coming next year and side note I recently read an interview with this author and he says all three of these books have been written like they've <gasps> all they're all done so there's no like like it's just when they're going to get published there's no like oh is he finished yet like he's done it's it's got an 
ending. So I find that deeply reassuring <laughs> in the age of George R. R. Martin. Yes. Like, <laughs> be reassured. This is a, this is a finished series. Um, but yeah, so like I said, it's got aliens, it's got shadowy government conspiracies. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of strange things going on that sort of defy expectation and conventions. And it's not set in America, which is hugely refreshing and really interesting. So I think this book just has so much going for it. So again, that's Rosewater by Todd A. Thompson. You can buy it for your book club. Members. You can buy it for your book club. Yeah. <laughs> we'll link to the book club episode in here on the off chance you haven't listened to it yet. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, my last pick before my bonus pick is Prime Meridian by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. And I thought that this book, and I do not say this as an insult, I think this is great for millennials. <laughs> because as a millennial who loved this book... I I just thought it was perfect for that time in your life. It's a time that is still very – I feel like it's very fresh. Uh, this story is pretty much grounded in reality even though it takes place in the near future where we've already landed on Mars and we're starting to colonize it. And the entire story, by the way, is set in Mexico City. So it's not on Mars itself but – there's lots of talk of Mars. So it follows Amelia, who is this 20-something-year-old woman who has all of the prospects, or she had all of the prospects, but then her life kind of went off course. And her big goal in life was to go to Mars and to work there. Uh, so civilization at this point looks a little bit different. There are some similar or some familiar aspects of life as we know it. But there are also some futuristic elements to Mexico City of this time. And Amelia is kind of making her way in the world, but she's not doing so great. She is struggling with being adult. She's struggling to find a job. Uh, she used to go to college. She had to drop out for reasons. And when she dropped out, her life kind of fell down around her. It fell apart and her relationship fell apart. And so she's now, when we meet her at the beginning of the story, she has this dead-end job where she's basically paid to be people's friend, if you can call it that. And she's trying to figure out what to do next. She's living with her sister. She doesn't have a place of her own, and her sister is not great to her. So she's trying to figure things out, but it doesn't seem like she's going to make any progress. And then somebody from her past comes back, an ex of hers comes back into her life, and things start to happen. She is conflicted about what to do. Her ex actually went on to become the person he wanted to be, seemingly. And so she's doing a lot of comparisons between him and her and between what her life could have been and what it is now. And Mars is always there in the distance. And so you're trying to figure out where the story is going to go, but you're really just getting this slice of life from Amelia and seeing her world and what she's going to make of it. And it has all of these elements like there's there's texting stuff and there's, you know, ride shares and friend shares and weird things that just feel very, very millennial and it's just fantastic and it's got the sarcasm which was my favorite part of this book like the sarcasm is way up there and it's wonderful and funny so if you're looking for something a sci-fi book that's 
uh, lighthearted and has elements of comedy in it, I think that this is a really great one. So again, that was Prime Meridian by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Okay. So not that like we said we were going to do bonuses, but I think yeah. both of us used it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just wanted to briefly shout out How Long Till Black Feature Month by N.K. Jemison, who I know I already talked about. But listen, <laughs> y'all, this is a short story collection that just came out. And it is both like it has stuff from her early career and stuff from that she wrote like last year. It has hard sci-fi in it. It has fantasy in it. It has like sort of like fabulous or real world plus a touch of magic, you know, urban fantasy stories in it. Her range is huge, which I don't know that you would know if you just read her novels, right? Like her novels are all pretty fantasy. Yeah. Um, and although I would argue that uh, Broken Earth is science fantasy, but regardless, they are much more on the magic side of things. But her range is actually much bigger than that. And I think that this collection is great for a bunch of people. It's great if you have an N.K. Jemisin super fan in your life. The hardcover is beautiful. Um, it is great if you have somebody who you've been trying to convert into a Jemisin super fan. Like if you, they're not ready to pick up one of the series, you could give them this and it would give them a great overview of what her writing is like. And definitely, I think, would be incentive for somebody to then pick up her novels. Um, and I also think that if you have like a, fan, a friend who doesn't think that sci-fi is serious literature or like you want to give them a taste of sci-fi and fantasy and you're not sure where to start and they have, you know, more literary tastes, I would absolutely hand them this collection because she is playing with voice and structure in really interesting ways. And I like there, there's some sci-fi and fantasy that is really just fun. Like there's all different kinds of science fiction and fantasy, just like there's all kinds of different fiction. Right. And some of it mm -hmm. is just fun. And some of it is really smart and some of it is both. And I think this collection is really interesting. It's really smart. It is really fun. And it could definitely be a good portal for somebody who you're trying to get into science fiction and fantasy. So there's a lot going on here. I think it's all good. Again, that is How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jemisin. Awesome. And my bonus pick, and I'm going to keep this short because I intend to talk about this in full later. Oh. <laughs> but it's Freshwater by Akoeki Amezi. And I just thought this was so fantastic. It was one of, it is literally one of the strangest and most unique speculative reads I've come across so far in my reading experience. And I would say that this is a good one for fans of memoirs. So, so kind of the same thing. Like if you have somebody who's hesitant about getting into uh, science fiction and fantasy, I would really suggest this one because it incorporates the sort of fabulism into this contemporary story that's fashioned with elements of Amezi's own actual lived life and experience. And it's about identity and otherness and this feeling of being in between or liminal. And it follows Ada, who's born of a Nigerian father and a Malaysian mother 
and another mother of a more serpentine form. So she's born housing these obanji, or spirits trapped between this mortal world and the gates to another place. So as she grows up, she's taking, the obanji are taking an increased interest and role in her life, guiding her, protecting her, living through her. And even without the Obanji, Ada's life is an interesting one. I follow Akoeki and Misi on Instagram. She is one of the most interesting, fascinating people in the world. So I can totally see where this story comes from. And I should say that this book comes with a trigger warning for rape and for self-harm. She suffers at the hands of her peers at this really artsy college. And she also suffers um, from... Uh, mental illness as well. So there's some self-harm there. So just know that going in. And the Obanji are sort of always there and they take this active part in her life and particularly in the traumas she goes through and they tell her what to do and when to retreat. And it's just interesting, this dynamic between her and these Obanji and her own mind And even the format and the structure of this book is really different. You sort of flip between the spirit world and the world within Ada's head and then this outside world seamlessly. And it makes you feel like you're part of this gray space Ada and the Obanji inhabit. And it's very much about identity. If you're looking for an own voices story featuring non-binary characters and biracial characters, this is a really great one. And it just continues, this book continues to haunt me in the way Helen Yemi's books haunt me. It has that same sort of feel, uh, which is probably why I took to this story immediately. So again, if you're looking for something that is kind of memoir-ish, but also has speculative elements, uh, you should pick this one up. That was Freshwater by Akueki Amezi. And that's our show. It is. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you find some great books to get for your friends, your family, whoever, for yourself. Um, and so you can email us as usual at sffyeah at bookriot.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you're choosing for your holiday book picks or if you have any recommendations for uh, what you want us to talk about on this show. We would love to hear that. And, of course, you can review us on Apple Podcasts. It it helps people find us. We really, really appreciate it. And you can also find us online. I'm on Instagram at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And how about you, Jen? I am on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, and that is Jen with two N's, I-R-L. And until next time, happy holidays and happy reading. 